If you have a story you would like to hear featured on this podcast, please go to AsTheRavenDreams.com and click the button to submit your story. Also, if the platform you're listening on has the option to rate this podcast, please consider doing so. And thank you. My story starts back whenever I was 19 years old. As a lot of young girls do, I didn't have the best self-esteem, and I clung to people that showed interest in me, be it just platonic or romantic. This is when I met a man named Rich. He was about 12 years my senior, and at the time, I just saw him as a good friend. I was working at a local thrift store, and he came in there a few times, and in fact, I think I caused him to frequent there more often. He was always kind to me, and seemed to actually care. He would always ask how work was going, how my week had been. I was wanting to go to college, but I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to major in yet. When we were slow... He even talked about what I was interested in and tried to help me find my way. I had never really experienced this kind of attention, so I guess that I was falling for it. It started as me just hanging out with him after work, as friends. He had taken me out for dinner many times, and I even went to his house, as I was still living at home. My parents had even met him and why they never questioned their 19-year-old daughter hanging out with a 31-year-old man was beyond me. Then, things turned romantic between us. I truly felt that I had found my prince, and that we would have this happily ever after life. At the age of 20, less than a year after we met, I became pregnant. He even assured me that he would always be there to take care of both of us. He welcomed me to move in with him officially, and even convinced me to quit my job, promising me that we would be financially fine. That way I could focus on being the best mom I could to our child. Everything was going as he promised, too. The whole time that I was pregnant, we were in that honeymoon phase. He did everything for me. He went to all of my appointments, he helped me when I was sick, he even catered to my silly cravings. Then when our daughter Adelaide was born, I fell in love all over again. Even after she arrived, we were doing great. We were both happy, she was healthy, and we learned how to be the best parents that we could be together. We did have a few moments here or there, like when she would wake up throughout the night or when nothing we would do would seem to comfort her, but I just thought that was the nervousness and stress of being a parent. My grandmother, though, she's been the rock throughout my life, and she was on speed dial any time I had concerns. Needless to say, she helped me through a lot. But things started slowly turning sour day by day and it really broke me. It would start as Rich having to work late a lot, so I saw him less. When he would come home, he seemed to be in a bad mood or just really didn't want to talk about it. 
he was an electrical engineer, so I'm sure that it was stressful, as all jobs have their bad days, but he just never seemed to want to talk to me about anything anymore. Then, he started calling me to say that he wouldn't be home for dinner, and telling me not to wait up for him. Again, he would claim it was all work-related, but I had my doubts when he finally arrived home at midnight, or even later, and just passed out on the couch. In fact, I started seeing him less and less as a whole. I would see him off in the mornings, but that was about it. Even on the days that he was off or had an event to go to, he did not want to be around me. He stayed out and he didn't have me go with him. He used to take me and Addie to his parents' place on occasions, but when I got ready to go once, he got mad at me for assuming and then left us there. It got to the point that the only time I ever left the house was to get the mail or occasionally get groceries after nagging him about being low. He failed to realize this because he was hardly home to eat with us. He became verbally abusive. He mocked me when I tried to ask him for the simplest thing or for any kind of intimacy from him. I craved our conversations, our silly little inside jokes, or even just holding each other on the couch. I became severely reclusive and depressed. I hardly talked to my friends or family. I certainly didn't get to go anywhere or do anything because I didn't even have my own money. Hell, I even tried talking to him about going to school so I could help to pay for things, and he wouldn't have it. He would shoot it down every time, saying that it was too late for that now, and that I was stupid for even considering it. As I mentioned earlier, the only thing other than my little girl that kept me going was my grandma. I talked to her about everything, and when I stopped calling her weekly or seemed to want to talk very long... She surprised me with a visit, and brought her homemade chicken casserole and some groceries. I broke down and told her what had been going on, and she told me that I needed to give him an ultimatum and stick to it. Rich was definitely verbally abusive, but never physically so, and she definitely gave me the strength to do it. To wrap up the sob story, I guess, the ultimatum kind of did not go in my favor or at least not how I would have wanted. He kicked me out. He told me that I was just ungrateful and that I could leave. I tried talking to him about Addie, but that's when he dropped it on me that he couldn't care less about her, as he didn't believe that she was his kid. He was my first serious relationship, and I was still a virgin when I met him. Heartbroken, I packed up a few things that I had and that were important to me and all of Addie's things and I moved in with my grandparents until I got back on my feet. Fast forward about four years, and I'm still with my grandparents, but we're all happy. My grandfather had an accident, so I decided to stay to help my grandma take care of him. They loved spending time with Addie and watching her while I was in school. Yes, I did finally start school again, and I was working part-time, and I loved it. I was happy with my life, even as a single parent. Addie even started going to pre-K, and I would pick her up before I went to class in the evenings. That's where things went downhill again. 
The school that Addie was going to was very big on security, and that's why I chose them. So, when I got a call from them saying that someone who was not authorized attempted to pick her up early, they called me immediately. Only my grandparents and my sister were on the authorized pickup list. I left work and went to the school when I saw cop cars everywhere. I had to show my ID and be checked before they even let me in. Little did I know that the cops were actually there because of me. The principal described the guy that attempted to get Addie, and when they refused to let them, saying that they would have to call and ask me first, the person stormed out. And that's when they called me. Shortly after that, they had a lockdown as they saw the same guy walking the fence of the play area where the kids were about to be released for recess. Rightfully so, they feared that he may try to do something to the kids, or even abduct Addie. As you may have guessed it, it was Rich. I hadn't gotten as much as a phone call from him in years, and here he was, trying to take our kid from school, our kid that he said he wanted nothing to do with. They had me identify him later that day as they caught him hanging around the school and had him in custody. After a lot of back and forth with him and the cops, it came down to him wanting a relationship with his daughter. Now, nearly five years later, he suddenly cares? I hated it. I felt like it was him trying to control me again, but once again, my grandma talked me through it and said to keep an open mind. There didn't need to be anything between us other than being parents to the same child. But if he's changed, maybe he could actually be a good father. So, after a lot of lawyer talk, we worked out supervised visitations. If I wasn't present, my sister and her husband were there. If he would try to take her from the school, I didn't trust that he wouldn't try to take her if they were alone. As expected, he used this time to try to get back with me. When that didn't work, he would become angry and end the visitation. When my sister and brother-in-law went, he brought another girl with him and was too busy with her to pay attention to Addie. I guess it was just an attempt to make me jealous, I guess? One of the last times that I saw him, it was just me again, and when I finally put my foot down telling him that I was there for Addie, not him, and that I didn't want a relationship with him, he leaned in and tried to kiss me. When I pulled away, he slapped me, saying that it would be the biggest mistake that I have ever made and how I wasn't thinking about our daughter. I grabbed Addie, who had been playing alone at the park, and we left. I was ready to get a stern talking to for ending his visitation early, but I never got a call. This was obviously his main motive, as, once again, I never heard from him. He stopped showing up to visitations, he wouldn't answer my calls, and even his lawyer gave me the whole, don't call me, I'll call you line, and that was it. It's been three years since then, and I know it probably sounds bad and selfish, but I hope that I never hear from him again. Addie deserves to have a father in her life that cares for her, and not just be used as a way to get to me. Until then, my grandfather has honestly filled that role really well, and I can't thank him enough. I just have that fear in the back of my mind that he's going to show up one day, 
and attempt to talk to her again, and I hope that she's never in a position to allow that to happen. A while back, when I hit 19, I kind of ended up in a situation where I wanted to get out of the house and get my own place, mostly because I was tired of living with my parents. It was more that I was tired of living by others' rules. I love my parents dearly. I really do. But they were also pretty strict with things, and it was definitely holding back my social life. I'm kind of a free spirit, and I like to be out socializing, and they wanted me home by 8pm every night. That's not me complaining. Their house, their rules and all, but... It was enough to make me realize that I could just move out and get a cheap place nearby, keep them close, and make sure that I had my freedoms. So, that's what I decided I was going to do. After looking around for a while, I actually found a decent apartment that I could afford with my job that was less than 10 minutes away from where my parents lived. I went through all the motions to get the apartment, paid the deposit, and got it. Moving day came, my parents helped me get everything in and set up, and it was at that point that I realized I didn't have a whole lot, and definitely didn't have enough to fill a full apartment. My bedroom had my bed, my desk, my dresser, and my living room had a table with a TV on it, and that was pretty much it. I started talking to my dad about it and trying to figure out a list of things that I needed for the apartment or what I could use, and my dad made a suggestion. I should look for cheap furniture on Craigslist. We talked about it for a bit, and he actually mentioned that if I found some stuff for the apartment on Craigslist that would work for me, and it wasn't terribly expensive, he would go in on half, and he would go with me to get it all. I thought this was a good idea. He had a truck, Plus, having him with me would make me feel a whole lot safer in dealing with strangers. I agreed. I told him that I would look online and get a hold of a few people over the next couple of weeks, and we would meet up when I had everything ready to go. So, I did just that. I got on Craigslist and went through a number of postings, sent a few emails. Some responses I got were obvious scams or bots, so I ignored those. I had a few people that were interested in selling to me at first, but ended up disregarding me after I told them that it was going to be about two weeks before I could pick it up. Apparently, they weren't willing to wait to sell things, which is fine. After sifting and sending, I was actually able to get a few people that were willing to hold on to their items for me, so at least it wasn't a huge waste of time. Then I found a post that was more or less... Furniture, men's clothing, electronics, and more. I want it all gone, $200. I clicked through the pictures that this person had posted, and looking through it, they were selling a lot of things for such a low price. There were a number of furniture items, a couple game consoles, a decent desktop computer, and then clicking through it, I noticed that the men's clothing were mostly my size. I was over the moon, thinking I had hit the jackpot. 
sure, it seemed a bit sketchy, but at the same time, if this was legit, I would have furnished my whole place and had a bunch of what would basically be luxury items for $200. The post had a phone number on it, so I immediately grabbed my cell phone and called the person. I mentioned the post, and I asked the woman that had answered why she was selling things for so cheap, because it did seem a bit odd. She then said that she and her boyfriend had split up, and that she hadn't seen him for over a week at this point, and all the items that she wanted gone were his. She even sent me a few pictures of herself in front of all the items while we were talking to prove that it was all real. I told her that I would give her the full $200 if she could just hold it for me for two days, as it was the Thursday before we were supposed to go get the items, and that I would take every single item off her hands that she wanted to sell. She actually agreed. She mentioned that I was the first person to call, and said that she would go ahead and mark it all as sold. Again, I was over the moon. I had just struck Craigslist gold. I called my dad and told him that this lady had a bunch of items that she wanted to get rid of for 200 and he seemed a bit concerned at first. I explained the situation, mentioned that she had sent me proof that it was all real, and then told him that it was all left over from a bad breakup and that the boyfriend hadn't come back for it. It took a bit of extra convincing, but... I was able to finally get him to go with it. Saturday morning comes around. I text the woman, mentioning that we would be there within the hour. She responds with, Okay, and that was it. Not the best response to get, but it was enough for me. We headed to the house, and I was feeling even better about this transaction. The house was nice. Like, multi-story and well taken care of so she could afford to just get rid of these things for way under retail value. Kind of nice. We pull into the driveway, walk up to the door, and I ring the doorbell. Nothing. No response. We wait for a little while, but after a couple of minutes with no response, I ring the doorbell again and still no answer. I pulled up the messages between the two of us to make absolutely sure that this was the address, and it definitely was. I then decided to go ahead and give her a call. When I did, I could hear the phone ringing inside the house, like just on the other side of the door. I actually glanced over toward the window by the door and started looking inside. My dad chastised me at first, saying that I was being rude but I had this really weird feeling that something was off. This was a nice house. The woman I spoke with was friendly, and seemed like she really was wanting to get rid of these items. And I was really wanting to get the stuff that she was selling. Then, I realized why I was feeling off about this whole thing, and what it was that I was actually seeing there was someone lying on the floor just inside the door. I mentioned it to my dad, saying that I think something had happened to the lady. He came over, looked in, and then he told me to call 911. I could tell by his tone that something was definitely 
wrong. I called them, and I tried to explain the situation to the person on the other end. It was a bit weird having to tell them that we had no idea who this person was, just that we were here to buy stuff, and then tell her that there was a person unconscious on the floor inside the house. It was just as awkward trying to explain it to the first cop that pulled up to the house as well, but I think they understood it better than the dispatcher did. Sure enough, the officer agreed that there was a person unconscious in the house, and decided that that was cause enough to kick the door in and call the medics. They obviously kept us out in the driveway, and we had to answer a lot of questions about why we were there, how we were connected to what was now a crime scene, which, after the medics showed up, the potential crime scene was confirmed to be a crime scene, and it was pretty clear how serious this really was. The long short of it, the woman was deceased, and based on how the officer explained it, it was a pretty obvious homicide. Thankfully, I had all the text messages and screenshots of the post to help and show that we weren't who killed her, but I was also able to explain to them that she had told me about her ex and how they had split up. They ended up taking my information and telling me that they would be in touch with me if they had any more questions, and we had to leave at that point. They never called me back, nor asked me to come in at all. I don't know if they ever ended up solving the case, but it definitely seemed like this was a situation where the ex-boyfriend came back and did the unthinkable. What makes it worse? Part of me still thinks that he may have done it because she was selling his stuff. And if I hadn't set up the meeting to pick it all up, he may not have done it. But if it weren't me, then someone else would have jumped on this deal. I don't let it tear me up, but it does bother me just a little bit. I did end up getting a couch for my living room from another seller and a few other things, but that was the only time that I ever used Craigslist. I know that this isn't a common thing to happen, but I didn't want to ever be put in a situation like that ever again. A long time ago, I was a single mother with a young boy about seven years old. I was doing my best to make ends meet with what little money I could scrape together working part-time. We didn't live in the best home, but I did everything I could to keep him happy, healthy, and fed. And I like to believe that I did a damn good job. I can say that nowadays things are much better he's grown, I'm in a new marriage, and honestly, life is much happier. That said, there were times where I made mistakes, and where things got really rough. This is actually about an event where the unthinkable could have happened, and I really shouldn't have brought him with me. But I'm also kind of glad that I had. Though, I will say that my decisions weren't the worst part. I thought things were okay. I just ended up trusting someone a bit more than I should have. So, 
This was back when my son and I had just moved into a new apartment, when he was about seven or eight at the oldest. My husband and I had been divorced for about a year, and I was just really getting into the world after losing the house. There's a long story there that we won't get into. I was working part-time, so I didn't have a lot of money, but I had a family member that was helping me with the rent for the time being, so it wasn't a huge deal. However, after having lived with them for a year and then moving into my own apartment, I realized how much I was actually missing being self-sufficient. Then, I realized that one of the other big things I was missing was a vacuum cleaner. Vacuums are the one thing that you never really think about, and when you realize you don't have one, and then go look for a good one, you come to the conclusion that they are rather expensive. So, in a moment of genius, I went to Craigslist to see if I could find a cheap second-hand vacuum that was at least decent quality. In my mind, if I could find one that I could use and keep for a year at most, I would most likely be able to get the money together to get a really good one that was new. As such, I went for a mid-low price tier when searching. I ended up finding one that I liked, and the person only wanted $20 for the vacuum. I contacted him, everything seemed reasonable, and honestly I didn't even get any red flags when myself and this person sent messages back and forth about the whole thing. Everything about this transaction seemed like it was going to be ideal. Like, I would bring $20, he would give me a vacuum, and that would be it. Of course, one of the dumb decisions that I did make was being willing to meet this guy at his house instead of a public place. I will admit that I was a bit naive back then, and I hadn't done many transactions online, and I thought that this would just be a five-minute thing. On that following Sunday, I started heading towards the address that he gave me, and I sent a message saying I was on my way. I pulled up to the house, and there was a man standing outside on the front porch, holding a glass of iced tea, just kind of watching me as I pulled up. I got out of the car, and my son followed pretty closely behind me. I thought about telling him to stay in the car, but I then thought that that would probably be the worst idea in a strange place. As I approached, the man on the porch asked if I was my name, and I said I was. He turned and opened the door and mentioned that I could step in the entryway, and that he would go get the vacuum for me. We stepped just inside the door, and the man went over toward the other end of the house and into a bedroom. As he was out of my sight, he kind of started making small talk about the vacuum, saying it was still good, that he had just changed the belt on it, and he then also apologized that he had lost one of the attachments. After this, he, out of seemingly nowhere asked me if I was a Christian. I mentioned that I was, and because I was taken aback, I asked why that was relevant. He followed it up with, oh, I was just asking, I'm sorry if I pulled you away from church to do this sale. He came out of the room with the vacuum and then continued, I'm pretty devoted to my faith myself, so I know how important it is to go to church. Do you go to church? 
It was a bit weird, but I thought that maybe this man was just really religious. So I mentioned that we hadn't lately, because we had just moved and hadn't found one in the area to attend. He smiled and nodded like he understood, and then it got weirder. He said, and this is a direct quote because I will never forget his words, you know, God told me that you would be coming alone, and that if you did, I should take you as mine and run away into the desert. I just sort of stared at him like, what the hell is wrong with you? He laughed and then said, but you didn't come alone, you came with your son. I think he was testing me and that this was his way of making sure that I'm truly faithful. I was ready to run out of that house, but I was also afraid that, if I did, he would do something. After what was probably two or three minutes of panic-filled silence, he just kind of pushes the vacuum towards me and says, Here, you can have it. I don't really need the money. I grabbed it and just sort of turned away to leave, the entire time we were walking towards my car, this man was seriously saying some prayer. One that I didn't actually know, so I don't think it was a real one from the Bible. I pulled away, and I drove out of that neighborhood faster than I should have. Thankfully, my son just kind of thought that the guy was weird, and it didn't really click that we were in the presence of an absolute psychopath. I just kind of laughed and said, Yeah, he was a bit weird, huh? and thanked my lucky star that he decided that my son was a good reason to not hurt me. That was one of the only times I ever did any deals off of Craigslist, and it was the only time I ever did one at someone's house. After that, it was always store parking lots or other public places. I will also mention that I blocked his number after that, as he did try to text me one more time, asking if I wanted to go to his church. I responded with, no thank you, and then blocked him. Thankfully, though, the vacuum did work. So, I guess that's a plus. This recently came up again with a group of friends, so I decided I would share it with more people. About four years ago... I started dating a girl that I met online named Kendra. We matched, she messaged me first, and we actually hit it off pretty quickly. We started officially dating after the third date, and everything seemed fine. She was pretty fun to be around, even if we were just chilling at home. She was very open about herself and her past, which was nice that she was open, but... It also made me let my guard down at first. I kind of felt bad for her. She explained how she didn't have a good childhood, as her mother was very abusive to her, and she didn't know her father, so she moved in with her boyfriend at the time, when she was 16. She then explained how she got pregnant, and how her boyfriend didn't want the kid, and suffocated their baby at, like, two months old. She seemed pretty happy, but obviously had some issues, but definitely nothing I thought was a deal-breaker or anything like that. But then, as the months went on, her stories became wilder, 
and wilder. The stories that she would tell me were so bizarre that they were becoming hard to believe, especially when they were brought up in situations that would benefit her. Like, if I was planning on going somewhere with friends or family, she would make me feel bad about her childhood trauma and say that she didn't want to be left alone. When I did suggest that she come along with me to take my dog to the park or something, she would decline, saying that she couldn't walk or stand long due to her condition. She claimed that she'd had some kind of infection in her leg that permanently damaged the muscle or the bone, so she couldn't walk long distances. Yet, she dragged me to her friend's parties where she stood and danced for hours. She also claimed that she had to dye her hair black, she was a natural blonde, because the light color absorbed too much sunlight and was giving her a brain tumor. She said that this was directly from her doctor, and that she could have surgery and have her head shaved, or just keep dyeing her hair. Look, I don't know why I stayed with her at this point, but I guess I just thought that maybe she still had things to work out from her childhood, and that I could help her move on. I had no reason to not believe her about her family and, or her baby either, so I guess I tried to just move past it. However, it started to take its toll on me as she was starting to have an excuse for literally everything, and it was kind of obvious. When it was something she wasn't interested in or wanted to do, she had an excuse. And when I would tell her that I was still going without her, something would happen to try to stop me. For example, every Wednesday, me and a few of my friends would gather for game night. We were all off on Thursdays, so it was easier than on the weekends, and I never missed. I invited her to go, but she didn't want to. I told her that I would call her then whenever I left, and she would call me halfway through complaining that she wasn't feeling well, and that she wanted me to pick something up for her or that she needed me to take her to the ER because she'd had an accident, like cutting her finger or something. Even when I was with her and her friends, if I got into a conversation or we started having fun, she would be very dramatic and grab her leg or stomach or something. And of course, everyone would turn to ask her if she was okay. So now the attention was on her. Illnesses were a common tactic with her. I started to learn pretty quickly who she really was. The whole time that I was with her, she didn't even have a job. She pretty quickly started to leech on to me and my wallet, but I ignored it, believing that I was in love. When she didn't get her way, she threw a fit, and we would make up in the form of me buying her something. I really started to put things together and grew more suspicious when she invited me with her and her sister to lunch and shopping, because she thought of me as her bank account. Along with telling me that she was abused, she also claimed to be an only child. When I mentioned this to her, she became angry and wouldn't give me a straight answer, other than that I was obviously remembering things wrong. I know for a fact that she told me she was an only child, because she used the sob story many times that she had no one, because it was always just her with her abusive mother. So, being curious, I went with her to meet this mystery sister. 
to my surprise, they looked very much alike. I have siblings too, and I know we all look similar, but these two looked like they could be twins. And that's because they were. The only real difference was her sister had a darker blonde hair color and a mole above her eyebrow. Listening to them talk about things made me feel like a lot of the things Kendra had told me were a lie. There were things that her sister would even bring up and she would get upset and say that she didn't want to talk about it. I caught both of them looking over at me at times, so after that day, I went home with a lot of questions, and I really debated on how to bring them up. Turns out, I wouldn't have to do much, as the next day, her sister sent me a message request on Facebook. She was kind, and it just started as a nice-to-meet-you kind of thing. Then, after a few hours, she said that she had some questions for me. She asked me if Kendra had mentioned their childhood to me, and I said yes. But, after us both beating around the bush some, it was finally revealed that she was never abused. In fact, Kendra was the abuser. They were actually twins, and they did have a younger sister. Kendra would constantly attack both of them, and as a teenager, she had even hit her mom. Hell, her parents were married, and her dad was still alive. She was never kicked out, but rather she went to a juvenile detention due to threatening her little sister with a knife, and she never had a kid. Her sister apologized as she knew that she was a habitual liar and wanted to know what all I knew, or at least what I was told. I thanked her for being honest, and I took the rest of the day to really think about what to do. I finally got up the courage and told her that we needed to talk. I asked her if I could come over. I figured it would be easier to leave her place than kicking her out of mine. I went over and told her that I wanted to talk to her about some things that she had told me, and I confronted her about the lies. I told her that her sister had told me everything, and that I wanted to give her one last chance. I wanted to hear the truth from her, and I wanted to know why she would lie about any of it. Instead of coming clean, she just doubled down on the lies, and tried saying that that was her half-sister, and that she was just trying to take me from her. Her sister even told me that she would probably try that too. I told her that I'd had enough, and that we were done. If she couldn't be honest with me, then this was not going to work out. I guess one thing that I didn't really take into consideration, though, was when her sister mentioned that Kendra was the abuser. So, when I turned around to grab my jacket and leave, she started screaming and ran towards me jumping on my back. We went back and forth like this, of me struggling to get her off of me. She had her legs wrapped around me and had a tight grip on my hair with one hand, while punching me in the head and shoulders with the other. I finally managed to throw myself backwards onto her kitchen floor, where she let go. But before I could get to my feet, I was hit in the head and knocked out cold. The next thing I remember were cops and an EMT standing over me in her house, 
asking me a bunch of random questions. Once they checked me out to make sure I was okay to stand, I was placed in cuffs and thrown in the back of a squad car. After being taken back to the station, I was finally questioned and given the opportunity to explain my side of things. I told them why I was there, how I knew Kendra, what led to me being on the kitchen floor, but I didn't know how I actually got there. They asked me if I had physically harmed her. I explained that other than pretty much just dropping her on the floor, as well as myself, I hadn't touched her. After a few hours, they finally let me go, but not before telling me how they got involved. Apparently, she hit me in the head with a meat tenderizing hammer, so they told me that I should still go to the hospital to check if I had a concussion afterwards. Then, they were called by a neighbor as she was running up and down the street outside screaming for help. She told them that I had barged into her place in a fit of rage after she broke up with me, and that I had attacked her. They checked us both out and took pictures, and since I had multiple marks on my back, head, shoulders, and face, and she had, well, not a single scratch or bruise, they seemed to believe me. They suggested that I stay away from her, though, and I promised that I would do just that. I went home and I talked to a few friends about what had happened, and even messaged her sister to let her know what she did. Kendra tried calling me a few times, but no, all to voicemail for her. She stopped trying pretty quickly, thank God, and I just moved on living to tell my crazy ex-tale. Well, that is, until this past Christmas, when she actually tried to add me on Facebook. No, <laughs> immediate block. Back in 2017, I was in a pretty healthy relationship. Charlotte and I had been together for almost three years, and we were thinking about our future. We started looking at apartments together, and if things continued to go as well as they had been, I was going to save up to propose to her. However, even though a lot of the places we looked at were her choice, and she seemed so excited about this... She then threw a huge curveball at me. She told me that she had a great career opportunity in Oregon. We lived in Missouri. At first I thought, okay, a cross-country move is a huge step, but I was willing to do it if it meant a better life for the both of us. And even if it was kind of scary, moving out of state can also be exciting. But, much to my surprise... Her plans did not involve me. She said she wanted to make a life for herself out there first before she thought about a long-term relationship. And before I could even recommend it, she shot down the long-distance thing saying that she couldn't guarantee that she wouldn't cheat. It hurt, but at least she was honest. I didn't know how to feel, though. I understand wanting to do what's best for your own good, but... Why even consider apartment searching then? Why lead me on to believe that we had a future together? Overall, I was definitely upset and heartbroken, but I moved on, and wished her the best. But I wasn't the only one caught off guard by this. 
Even some of her family found it odd. I was actually pretty good friends with her younger brother, and that's how I met her. And he was telling me how their parents were shocked that she just left everything behind. They were worried that maybe something sinister was going on, and forcing her to leave out of fear or something. But she assured everyone that that was not the case. She even showed us pictures of her new place and shared links to the place that she was going to be working for. It was an illustration company. Knowing that she was at least okay, we tried talking here or there, but I think overall it just made me feel worse, so we agreed it was best to cut ties. Now, it's been several years since this event happened. I've entirely moved on, and I'm happy. I decided to make some changes in my life too and got a new job. I met a girl named Valerie that worked at the same place as me, and I could instantly tell that there was a connection. We went on a date, hit it off immediately, and we've been together for about four years now. Charlotte wasn't even a thought in my mind. I was still good friends with her brother, but we hardly talked. But that was just life. So, needless to say, I wanted to propose to Val, and when I got hints from her and her friend, I took it as the go-ahead. Things definitely felt different, but in a good way compared to Charlotte. And to make it the second best day of my life, she said yes. At that point... Life started moving pretty quickly, so when I was waiting in line to get coffee, I didn't notice the people around me until I heard my old nickname, making me look around. And that's when I saw Charlotte. We hugged, and I asked her what she was doing there. She explained that she was thinking about moving back, but was just visiting for a week. We quickly caught up for a bit, and she suggested that we grab a coffee or lunch together sometime. I agreed. I gave her another hug, and then I left. I even went home and told Val that I had run into her. We were very open with each other, and she knew of Charlotte, so she saw no issues with us catching up either. It was probably a few days after that that we met up at the same place. We sat and talked about the past years. She showed me so many pictures of Oregon and places that she went and even a few famous people that she met through her work. So, I asked her, since things were going so well, why she would ever want to move back. Her answer was vague, but said something about being able to work on her own time now, and how she wanted to be closer to her family. Then, she turned the conversation on me, and I told her that I was engaged. She looked surprised, but also said that she was happy for me. As we continued to talk, I noticed her becoming more and more hands-on. She would touch my shoulder, go down my arm, she would grab my hands and even rub my leg with her foot. It was, well, it was a weird feeling, to say the least. It reminded me of who she was when we were together. I mean, I didn't feel anything as I was in love with Val, but the thought was in the back of my head. Was she trying to do something? Was this her flirting with me? I tried not to think about it, and we parted ways after a few hours. When I saw Val that evening, 
I even told her what had happened and she found it odd. And then she mentioned that maybe there was a hint of jealousy from Charlotte, but otherwise she wasn't really worried about it. So, again, we moved forward with our life and I got random casual messages from Charlotte. My phone number never changed after all. However, we started having strange events occur and honestly never really connected them at the time. Val ended up moving to another location under the same business that we worked for, so we were no longer driving together. However, I had to take her to work one day because we went to leave one morning and her tire was flat. It wasn't like it just lost air or like there was a nail. I didn't even have to look for the cause. Towards the back side of the tire, there was a pretty big puncture in it. It wasn't a clear cut like a knife, but it wasn't mangled like the tire had just exploded. Not to mention, there was no additional damage to her car either. We were confused, but I just took her to work and told her that I would take care of it. Val had a pretty new car. I went with her to test it out, and it was only a few years old at the time. But she ended up having a pretty scary issue with it. We kissed each other goodbye one morning and left for the day, and when we got to work, we usually texted each other one more have a nice day with me usually being the first one, as my drive was shorter by about 15 minutes. When I didn't get a text back, I thought it was odd, but then just assumed that maybe she had forgotten or someone stopped her on her way in, both of which have happened before. So, after I got in and to my desk, I was prepared to text her when she called me hysterical. When I finally got her calmed down, she explained what happened. She said that she noticed her car hesitated a little when she shifted from reverse to drive, but ignored it as it soon went away. She thought maybe she imagined it, but made a mental note to tell me about it when she got to work. However, she didn't make it to work because as she rolled up to a red light, her brakes kicked back and did nothing else. She went right through that intersection at about 30 miles per hour, instantly T-boning a van. Her airbags deployed and she was obviously shaken up. She told me that the police were already there and that tow trucks were on their way, so I left work immediately to go be with her. The sight was pretty terrifying, and I felt so bad that she had to be in that situation and alone to boot. The van had a woman and her toddler in it, but both were in their seatbelts and the kid in the car seat, so they were okay as well, just a bit shaken up. After the scene was cleaned up, we went home and she walked me through the situation again. It definitely sounded like something happened to the brakes, so after they towed the car back, I had someone come take a look at it to see if they could diagnose the issues. They were certainly able to, and they told us that one of the brake lines had been cut, and it was obviously done by someone that was not trying to replace a line or done by accident. He said you could see where they tried to cut it in multiple spots until they finally got through. We were terrified and confused. Who would try to do this? Val was such a kind person, and it's not like she had any enemies that came to mind, so... I just didn't know how to handle this. But, then, 
She asked me if I thought Charlotte would do something like this. I also didn't see Charlotte as the type to do that, and while we talked, it was still very casual conversation. She shouldn't have even known where we lived. While I was questioning this, she brought something to my attention that she hadn't really told me about. She said that she had gotten a few calls at work, like they were transferred to her office line specifically looking for her, but when she would answer, they would just hang up. She thought it was weird, sure, but nothing scary or worth mentioning. Then, a few days prior to the accident, she got another call and this time the person talked and said something with a slight giggle, like, nice car that you've got, and then hung up. I was horrified. I didn't want to think about Charlotte possibly doing this or even entertain the idea, but then I remembered the way that she acted when we met up. I honestly could not rule it out. So, I called her while Val was in the room so that we could hear her voice. I played it off like I thought that she called me and was returning the call, so it didn't last long, but I could tell by the look on Val's face that it was the same voice. I was furious. Why would she try to do this? She was the one that left me behind. Now, almost a decade later, she wants to ruin my life? As mad as I was, I started coming up with a plan. I bought a camera, and I had it set up to face our driveway. Then, I texted Charlotte asking to go get coffee again. When she showed up, I was not friendly at all like I was the first time. I asked her point blank if she was following or stalking my fiancé. She looked at me like I was crazy and denied it, but then I mentioned her stupid phone calls. She had this dumb grin on her face and actually said that she was just trying to have a little fun, but she was pretty easy to track down. She admitted to the calls, but would never fess up about the car. But after I chewed her out some, she started to show her true colors. She said that I was the one in the wrong, that I was supposed to wait for her to come back and have a relationship with her again and her only. That was never the case. She broke up with me. She ended it because she obviously had plans to hook up with other people. Why did I have to wait around for her? I was supposed to just be alone all those years? Hell no. I told her that she was crazy, and that she needed to leave us alone because we were happy, and that I would never be with her again, or even once to talk to her ever again. And I left that place feeling much better. I knew that we wouldn't really be able to take legal action though unless we had proof, and that was where the camera came in. I had this feeling that she was going to try something again, and I was right. It was three or four days later, and we checked the camera, as we do every time before we leave, and we were also sharing a car at the time. There she was, clear as day, walking around and inspecting my car. She then proceeded to pour something in my gas tank, wiped off the side and the cover for prints, I assume, and then she climbed on top of the hood 
pulled her pants down and squatted. I'll let you fill in the rest. Charlotte had lost it. I had never seen that side of her, and I was frustrated, and obviously embarrassed, that I ever let her back into my life. Sorry the story ended up being so long, but to wrap it up, we pressed charges. We filed a restraining order, and were at least able to sue her for the damages to my car. As expected, we never heard from her again, and thankfully, her brother had no ill will towards me either. He said that she complained to him about me being engaged, and he basically told her to get the hell over it, like I did, because I had to move on. In the end, I think exes are better left at that. No friends, no contact, just old memories. Good or bad, I suppose. I have a fairly short and really weird story about one time when I used Craigslist to find a rental. At the time, I was living with my aunt and uncle, and I was working to find a new place. They weren't really pushy about me getting out of their home, but they were definitely wanting their space back. I appreciated them letting me stay, and I could take a hint, so I decided I would go and try to find my own place. Enter Craigslist, the world of weird people selling things at a low price. I decided that I would hop on to the internet's version of Kmart and see what was readily available nearby. On the plus side, I didn't have much to move. I could get it all out and in within a few hours. It was really just a bed, a dresser, and a fish tank. Everything else could fit in my duffel bag. Obviously, with only that going for me, I was looking for a small place to stay, like preferably a studio or something. After searching, talking to a bunch of weirdos, and blocking a few numbers, I found what looked to be a dream come true. A fully furnished, ready-to-move studio apartment that was in a decent part of town. I contacted the owner, and after a quick chat on the phone, we had set up the time for me to move in that following Monday, so long as I could wire him the deposit money by Friday before. At that time, it was Wednesday, so I had two days to get him the money. Thankfully, I had this plan for a little while, so I did have some cash set aside to get this all done. And he only wanted 500 for the deposit, which was going to be a bit more than half the rent per month. After discussing it with him and sending him the money via whichever transfer app we used, he had mentioned that the deposit would cover the first month, it was the middle of the month, so it was good with me, and that on the first of the month, I would owe my normal 750 I was perfectly fine with this arrangement. Monday came around, and I showed up with my truck filled with my few items and my clothes. When I got there, he was standing outside the studio apartment, and we chatted about the location as he gave me a quick tour. It was a nice little place, perfect for me, and it had everything I could have ever wanted. I actually asked him about the furnishings, why he was renting it out with everything in it, and by everything I mean everything. 
There was a TV with a console connected to it, a stereo on the side of the room, and a bookshelf loaded with some pretty popular books. He then mentioned that he used to rent it as an Airbnb, which is why it was fully furnished, and that he was just tired of dealing with random people like that, so he wanted to rent it out to an actual, long-term tenant. It sounded like a really good arrangement to me at the time, so I thanked him, told him I would have the rent to him on the first of the month, signed his contract that he had typed up, and that was it. Well, that wasn't actually it. In fact, it was not it at all. I lived there for a total of three days, from Monday to Wednesday. On Wednesday night, I was sitting on the couch watching TV when I heard somebody talking out in the hallway of the apartments. I figured it was just the neighbors, until I heard a key hit the lock, and then the door opened. I cannot express the awkward moments that followed. The couple that walked into the apartment looked at me like I was a robber. I was looking at them like they were breaking into my new home, and I think we all just kind of wanted to scream in terror. They asked who I was, I told them I was the tenant. I asked who they were, and they said they were the tenants. Long story short, and after a lot of loud talking and confusion, we figured out what happened. They were the real tenants. They had been out of town for a couple of weeks. I was actually not the tenant, and was basically sold an occupied unit by somebody that didn't have the rights to do so. I showed them my lease, and they showed me their much more official-looking lease. I showed them the messages and the email and the proof that I paid someone, and, well, they lived there so they didn't really have to show me anything. What was worse? They did not know the guy that I had paid. The app that I paid him with said his name was something like Mario, and they really had no clue who the hell he was. We ended up getting the police involved so that we could make a report for the whole situation, because it was so messed up. In the end, I apologized for eating their food and using their furniture, and we agreed that I could leave my stuff there for a couple of days so that I could move back into my aunt and uncle's house. Mostly just my fish tank and dresser, as they were heavy and hard to move. Thankfully, they were incredibly polite with me, considering I was basically an intruder in their home, and thankfully they believed me and didn't resort to violence or anything like that. Unfortunately, I was never able to get a hold of the landlord, or I guess supposed landlord, to give him a piece of my mind. And I was out $500. I did keep in touch with a couple that actually lived there, and they never figured out how the guy got the key to their apartment, and they had the actual owner change the locks immediately. So, that's my weird story about the time that I rented a unit that wasn't really for rent. I ended up finding a place that was legit on Craigslist, and moved in. And thankfully, there were no more late-night surprises. I know this story wasn't terribly creepy per se, 
but it's still scary to think that this guy had the wherewithal to coordinate this while the couple was out of town. And worse yet, he had the key to their place without their knowledge. In the end, it's just one of those weird, creepy life lessons. Back when I got my first apartment, I was working at a retail store and I didn't make a lot of money. So, I tried to get a lot of cheap used stuff to furnish my place, which meant a lot of thrift store shopping and Craigslist scrolling. I found several great buys on there too. I got a practically new couch and chair, I got a kitchen set with pots and skillets, and even some window blinds. I had an older TV that my dad let me take from their place, since they didn't really use it, however it had pretty bad screen burn. It went from being rarely used to being used daily, and it was an older tube TV so it was bound to happen. So I started browsing Craigslist again to see if I could find a cheap flat screen. Even if it was an older or not in the best condition one, I thought it was better than nothing. After passing up several ads that were asking way too much or were too far away, I finally found one that was within my range. The title said it was a 32-inch LG, and all they wanted for it was $50. They included a few pictures of it as well, and it appeared that there was nothing wrong with it, so I was trying to figure out what the catch was. I messaged them, inquiring about it, and their reasons made sense. They said they were moving out of state, so they were more so just trying to get rid of a bunch of stuff so that they didn't have to take it with them. I thought that this was a total win for me and started making plans to pick it up. I was planning to get it the next day because I still needed to get the cash, but they were adamant that I pick it up that day because they were going to be busy. Yeah, no problem. I just had to run over to the bank and drive out there hopefully beating rush hour. I went and pulled out cash from an ATM to make it faster, but that meant that I would be giving them 60 instead of 50 since it couldn't do an odd amount. That was fine though, since I was still getting this TV for a steal at the time. I then set up my GPS to the address given, and I made my way there. The place was about 40 minutes away in a city that I had rarely been to, so I was going to be heavily relying on my GPS. When it said I had arrived, I had to go around the block as I had apparently driven right by it. By the third time, I finally slowed down and paid attention to the numbers on the surrounding houses to make sure I didn't miss it again. Then I realized that I was at the correct place, but why it was so easy to miss. It was because it was an abandoned house. There was a nice light blue house next to it, and then a smaller run-down home. One of the windows was boarded up, the front door looked like it was either missing or off the hinge because I couldn't see one. There was a driveway, but there were no cars in it, nor were there cars parked on the side of the road. It may sound stupid, but I was trying to be reasonable in thinking that they did say they were moving. Maybe they were clearing out and renovating this place and they were getting rid of the stuff left behind? 
Or maybe the place was condemned, but squatters were living there, and maybe authorities caught them and told them they had to leave. I was pretty much trying to convince myself any way that I could that this was reasonable, until I saw someone walk over and stand in the doorway. It was a disheveled-looking woman. She had on some old, beat-up-looking hoodie with her hair in a bun. She then turned to look back in the house, and then looked back and pointed at my car. And that's when I saw the guy approach the door. This guy looked a little more intimidating. He was easily twice my size, also wearing a hoodie, but he had it pulled up so that I could barely make out his face. The guy started walking down the steps, this whole time while he was looking in my direction. Finally, my gut told me that I needed to get the hell out of there, so I burned out. This didn't stop the guy from running towards my car as I drove away. I kept looking in my rear view the whole way home to make sure that I wasn't being followed. When I got back, I went to my computer and looked at the listing a little further. I zoomed in on one of the pictures, and the first thing that caught my attention was that it said the TV was an LG, yet the logo I saw had a V on it. So there wasn't even an LG TV. Then I noticed the window to the left of the TV. It was looking out to a street with a house across from it, and the porch railing had snow on it. This all occurred in May, so... There was no snow in sight, and there were no houses across from the one that I went to. It was an apartment complex and a few small shops. The house also didn't have a porch, let alone a railing. I obviously had some tunnel vision occurring, and I didn't really inspect or notice anything in the pictures beyond the TV. I don't know if this was a picture they took elsewhere, or just one they took from the internet, or hell, Maybe even another listing on Craigslist. I was disappointed that I didn't get the TV, but even more disappointed in myself for almost falling for what was obviously looking like a setup. I reported the listing and moved on. I ended up finding a TV at a local thrift store about a week or two later, and I pushed past the incidents until I heard a story on the news. They were talking about safety and precautions to take when meeting up with strangers, like from Craigslist, and for sale offers in newspaper listings. Then they mentioned how there was another couple that was attacked after responding to an ad on Craigslist. They were meeting up to get something when they were robbed at gunpoint and one of them stole their car. Worse yet, their car had their small child in it. This event took place in the same city that I went to for the TV. I was terrified and I thought that it could have easily been the same people that I saw, and if I was stupid enough to get out of the car, it could have been me. I know that they weren't too smart taking their child with them, let alone leaving them in the car, but they were all unharmed as they abandoned the car too, probably because it came with a small child. Don't worry, this definitely steered me away from this kind of stuff, I still occasionally will get things listed on Nextdoor because at least I know the area, and typically only when I have one of my friends with me to help. Just in case.
Hey there, friends. That was today's episode of the As the Raven Dreams podcast. And I really hope that you all enjoyed this collection of scary stories. If you did, please do consider checking out my YouTube channel where I do these same stories, but a little bit earlier than I do them here on the podcast form, and also in slightly different collections. If you really enjoy the podcast, please do consider giving it a rating of any sort if the platform you're listening on has ratings. Any honest rating is appreciated by me, be it 5-star, 1-star, however you want to do it. Just know that rating the podcast helps tremendously. And, if you would like to support further, I do have a Patreon and channel memberships if you'd like to do things on the YouTube side, where for as little as a dollar a month, you get early access to my content. Never ever expected, but always appreciated. That said, friends, I hope that I do see you on the next episode of this podcast. And of course, until then, sleep well.